what's up you guys i hope you all are doing well i am barely surviving with a puppy and a two-year-old and a new kindergartner i there's just not enough hours in the day let's get into this next episode though enough about me we're gonna learn a little bit about something called dbt therapy so we're gonna talk to veronica Tellu. She is the next Portuguese American guest who specializes in the skills-based therapy and it's widely used to treat all types of mental health challenges and you know celebrities such as Selena Gomez, Lady Gaga have received this type of treatment. So DBT skills help with regulating emotions, coping with stress, and improving relationships. So you guys are going to hear about this new form of therapy which i think is super non-traditional and i think beneficial so i hope you guys enjoy keep tuning in keep following subscribing liking and supporting hope you guys enjoy the episode beijing Hello, Sylvia. Thank you it's for having me. It's been a long time. We've talked about this episode since I started it, pretty much. We You've did. been on yeah. board um, as far as like my journey with this podcast since the very beginning. I think I might have mm-hmm. recorded one or two with that when we saw one another and we were talking about it. So now it's almost a year later and it's still going. So that's yeah, good. No, I'm, I mean, I'm super proud of you. I have listened to a bunch of your shows and I just think the content you're delivering is just so cool. I think for the Portuguese community, but then also mental health, you just cover so many things. Um, and yeah, Thank I'm you. excited to see it grow. I appreciate it. So Veronica is a friend of mine turned family, yep. <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> You and I met, I believe, you can uh, correct me. I know that I like have a past with your dad music-wise, but you and I have known one another through mutual f- cousin of mine mm-hmm. and friends um, through the Portuguese community. So we would see yep. each other at Festage and stuff like that. So first mm-hmm. we were, you know, I would say acquaintances. We would never been like super close, but we've always been super friendly with one another. And I don't know how I found out that you were cousins with Roger, my husband. So Veronica <laughs> and my husband are first cousins. Like this is like yep. bloodline, strong bloodline. My husband and her are first cousins. They, Veronica's mom and my husband's mom are sisters. So Correct. now we're just family. We're cousins now. Yeah, we are. We're, we're pretty much. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, then I, I, I also share the stage with your dad, who is a the best bass player ever. Yeah. 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 No, he's, he's a badass <laughs> bass man. Yep. That's, that's John Botello that you're talking about. He played for Uz Internet Unish and then Kasha. Um, legacy I don't know he's he's played for a bunch of bands he's Um, super well known as far as um his his talent he he's very uh different because he plays how many strings on his bass I remember that it's he plays anywhere from like four to seven like he he does all yeah yeah Yeah. super (laughs) passionate about it self-taught since he was a teenager too so so does he read music as well or is it all ear no, it's all ear, all ear for him. And then yep. you and your brother are incredibly talented as well. And I, 
I'm so excited that I entered into another musical family, but you guys always blow me away. It's so fun. So I'm like, they make me nervous. (laughs) (laughs) No way, dude. You've got a beautiful voice. And I do remember, um, like, my dad, I think he kind of took you under his wing a little bit. And him mentioning the first band I had ever sang in. Yeah, and just him mentioning just how gorgeous your voice was. And I I concur. It still is. So Oh, thank you. Your voice is beautiful as well. (laughs) I have a long mental health journey I still feel like ahead of me mm-hmm. and I always think my little two-year-old because I would have never ever ever even thought about going into therapy if it weren't for him so as much as he like <laughs> made me struggle <laughs> he really gave me so much more purpose and patience and humbled me and I would have never taken that journey into like past traumas and what has made me react or yeah. make choices that I've made um, if it weren't for me, kind of hitting rock bottom, I guess it wasn't mm-hmm. like this crazy rock bottom, but it was kind of my rock bottom in a sense. Yeah. Um, I always pictured myself as a mom and I thought I was just going to like kill it. And for my first child, he was textbook baby. And then the second one, I felt like, mm-hmm. what am I doing wrong? What's going yeah. on? And um, yeah, so he checked me real quick. <laughs> exactly. Like to, to get to the light, sometimes we do have to get through that, the, the darkness, right? But overall, Um, your quality of life, right? So much more improved, you know? And I think sometimes we think that like a mental health journey, right? Receiving treatment means that it fixes everything, right? That, well, now I'm supposed to be happy all the time. And it's not so much that, right? Like life is still going to throw us curveballs and stressors and you just become a lot more um, confident and resilient in working through, right? The hardships. Um, So with coming to DBT, right? So DBT stands for Dialectical Behavior Therapy. It was developed by Dr. Marsha Linehan um, back in the 80s and 90s, um, originally for individuals with more like severe personality disorders and depressions, right? People who are really suffering, chronically suicidal. And it's still the gold standard treatment for um, individuals who suffer from those types of um, symptomology. But there's been a lot of research done, and it actually treats a whole bunch of stuff, um, a whole bunch of disorders. Uh, So depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, substance abuse, I mean, you name it. It's just, it has so much to offer. And so dialectical basically means um, balance, right? So so seeing um, that there are multiple truths to a situation, right? Because what can happen as we, you know, grow and walk through life is especially with the media that that we consume our view of the world can become very black or white right or all or nothing and sometimes that is important to consider but a lot of the times that's what keeps us in a lot of high distress right and a lot of high emotion and that's just it's just not a healthy space to live in day in day out so when you can think dialectically you're approaching the world with a lens of like, okay, like there are multiple, there are multiple truths to a situation, right? So for instance, right, like with your partner or your husband, it's like, wow, I really don't like you right now. I love you, but I really don't like you, right? Like, and you annoy me. So it's like approaching the world with a both and rather than a but, if that makes sense. Oh, have to have to bring it back to culture because that's all I know, in a sense, uh, raised by immigrants, it's only it's been only black and white. It's yeah. been wrong or right. And there's never been an in-between. <laughs> so we've never been um, trained, in a sense, to be able to have 
other options <laughs> or different avenues or right. different, like we say, there's so many right answers to, mm-hmm. to things. So yeah. that is a big, like opening your, your mind, a whole new way of thinking. It is. And yeah. And I, I love that you bring in the immigrant experience, right? Like I'm first generation and I think that it's a common experience, like across the board of just like intense, like fear, like you say, like, it's just a very like, like fear based approach to like how you do life, right? Like you have to get a good job or else you have to go to school or else you have to do the kid and family thing. You have to be a good model immigrant right and granted those yes. weren't like the over the overt rules that I received but you, but you that's that's how you learn that was the shared experience and I think from a young age like I always thought like I always knew like there's more to this than just being worried and scared all the time and then later did I realize that yeah anxiety is prominent right like in the family I think a lot of us um especially um, children of immigrants do experience anxiety to a certain extent, right? Yeah. So anxiety just being of like, like extreme worry, where it seems like, okay, this shouldn't be that big of a deal. And yet my mind wants to make it like a life or death situation. Um, so yeah, so I love that you tie you tie in the cultural piece. Um, but so like coming back to um, kind of your experience through your journey with healing from postpartum depression is like accepting that like things become things need to become painful that they're hard before before we can get to change so dialect so the dialectical part also um kind of teaches you that as well right that we need acceptance we need radical acceptance of where we are right now in life in order to move forward because a lot of us want to run would an example be like say we lost a loved one and i think Instead of just like, say, drinking or whatever substances to, to not think about, not processing, it would be mm-hmm. more dialectal. Would it, would it be more of like sitting in it and like embracing yeah. the grieving process and kind of just like telling yourself it's okay to cry, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be mad, it's exactly. all those feelings? Exactly. Yeah, like like emotions, when they're felt, like they, they won't kill you. And I think, again, like if we've, if we've learned or if we've picked up over time that emotions like or like there are bad emotions, right? Um, that's how escapism like comes into play through yes. substances, through alcohol. Mm-hmm. So you're totally right. It it's it's everything to do with wanting to escape the emotional experience, and it, they do hurt, right? Our bodies are hardwired to not want to feel emotional pain, and yet it's so important because our emotions are communicating something to us, and if we don't address it, it just builds up and builds up over time, and it's going to leak somewhere. And usually it's when you don't want it to, right? The workplace or like, you know, your, your kid does, you know, spills the milk and it's like, ah, right. It's yeah. yeah. So you're absolutely not really the spilled milk. It's everything else. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So, so one of the skills that we do teach in DBT is called writing the wave or writing the emotion wave. Um, And that's all about just sitting with emotions as a sensation rather than thoughts because sometimes we think what we think are feelings if that makes sense but thoughts are just thoughts they're sensations of the mind but emotions manifest through 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 the body right so with sadness and grief typically it may be felt right in your chest there's a pit or the knot in your stomach some like you know like a sensation in your throat of like wanting to hold back tears right that's those are common sensations of the grief so with riding that wave you throw all of your awareness into just sitting with it and you sit with it 
And typically emotions really don't last more than like per research, more than like 60 to 90 seconds. If they're felt, what keeps them going are the thoughts that can refire the emotions, right? So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm trying to feel the emotion and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. Like why me? Well, guess what? That emotion's going to stick around, right? If not become even more unpleasant because your thoughts are fueling them. If that makes sense. So it DBT is almost perfect for somebody with anxiety because they're mm-hmm. typically overthinkers, overdoers, overpleasers, and very yeah. worried about the outside and perception and everything. Yeah. Which I always say as a joke, like every Portuguese person should be prescribed Xanax at birth because we all for have sure. so much anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> what was the phrase? And like, o meu português está muito feio, so you can correct me. But it was like, I always heard the phrase, attack of the nerves, like attack of the nerves. Is that something that you yes. heard? Mm-hmm. And like, okay, attack I think that, nerves, yeah. there you go. They didn't even know really like what that meant. You know, it was mm-hmm. like they had even even to this day with with my mom when I tell her that I went to therapy or maybe my sister's is she's like you you guys really had it that bad where you need therapy and I'm like that's not it it's not right. saying that we had it so bad a lot of that is just like old generational stigma around like those who mm-hmm. go to therapy are very very sick or quote unquote like like crazy and you don't talk about it but again, like therapy, I, I do realize that going to therapy is a luxury and a privilege that not everyone has access to, right? And that's unfortunate. That's still the case. It's getting better. Um, it's certainly getting better, but I know that for many, it's not accessible, but it's it's so important. So we, we liken, like, so DBT is very skills-based. That's what makes it um, pretty unique. Uh, so we, we separate our skills into kind of like, think of them as like different packets. We call them modules. So we have skills for distress tolerance. So this is when you have, if you have panic attacks, if you have a hard time dealing with like strong, big emotion waves, then these skills are designed to bring those down really quickly in the short term. So um, yeah, and so the, the last skills module is interpersonal effectiveness. So this has everything to do with like relationships and like learning to communicate and assert yourself and all that good stuff. So if a client were interested in like, full comprehensive dbt they would um, have a therapist once a week for 50 minutes and then they would attend a skills group if they're an adult for two hours a week if they're a teenager with a parent it's one and a half hour we have a teen program as well um and you also get phone coaching too so depending on your level of need if you're having a really hard time like at home or out in the community like you know with anxiety attacks or using your skills you have access to your therapist your therapist is on call to help you out which is another unique aspect of um of the modality yeah, that sounds amazing i know yeah. so many people that would benefit because i think when i first had um i first realized that i was using escapism which since this podcast was the first time I had heard that term was when I had an episode uh, called living with anxiety and my guest had used that term. And I think the first time that I, that I actually realized that I was doing that was when I had a good friend of mine pass away and I was very like in the zone working really hard. I, that was kind of around the time that I, that I met my husband and I told him like, I don't think I'm emotionally available at all right now. I'm just letting you know, I lost somebody and I'm trying to figure out myself and my life and and that and he was patient enough to <laughs> kind of ride that wave with me but that was the first time I realized I was running away instead of actually feeling it so grieving him was almost like 6 months to a year later 
And that's when it hit me when I stopped the distractions wow. and all of that. So I kind of rode my own wave with, with that. And then, you know, again, it happened with postpartum where I was just kind of pushing it mm -hmm. off and using everything else around me to realize that, you know, I was struggling very, very much so. Yeah. And I still have my moments of anxiety attacks and it's the weirdest thing uh, to just all of a sudden, like Roger's just like, you need to relax. I'm like, that's probably the worst thing to tell me because <laughs> it literally, I don't know why. I don't know why it's happening. It's just happening. Yeah. But like, I need to get outside fresh air mm -hmm. or something. I just need to like shake it off. I used to feel like I was living in that. Especially through it's COVID so and everything. My business was uh, shut down for nine months. It was so much unknown and fear of like, am I still going to have a job after this? So that was like where I was more like riddled with anxiety. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was really hard for me. Yeah. So many I also feel with... like I didn't mm -hmm. have the skills mm -hmm. to recognize any of that. Trust me. Like I very anti-confrontational person myself and growing up and I've I'm, I'm still learning how to have the tough conversations and ask for what I need like but coming from a place that's like not emotion driven because I've had the tendency to just let things build up build up build up and then like right and then suddenly like wow I find you really annoying that's not healthy right that's not good for <laughs> my relationships uh because again like it comes out in other ways um and next yeah. thing you know like they're just like why are you being a bitch I'm like well let yeah. me ask for what I need. Yeah. So really learning how to like, it starts with, again, like identifying emotionally what's going on for you. Like, what do I need emotionally to take care of myself? And then like have the conversation, right? Um, I had one of my therapists tell me like, if it feels like a confrontation, then wait until it feels like a conversation, right? It doesn't mm. have to feel adversarial. Just like, wait until emotionally like you're balanced like it's okay to put off a conversation for a couple of weeks if that's what you need like as long as you revisit right and don't run from it so many situations I think could have been habits and things that we were taught we all are products of our environment mm -hmm. and so especially now that I am a parent there are things that I wish that I had or felt like I needed more maybe than even my sisters as just a different person that I don't know if I, now I'm being overbearing, you know, talking eye to eye and <laughs> and trying to explain. I'm like, he's five. Does he really care like what I'm saying? But I hope <laughs> I hope that I'm doing okay. And I hope I don't oh, yeah. screw my kids up too much. No way. <laughs> no, no. You're no, a wonderful mom. Yeah. 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 So, so how would you say it's so different than like your traditional therapy? Yeah, so great question. Um, so traditional therapy can look something like, you know, you come into the office, you sit down, and basically it's okay, what's on your mind today? Right? Like, what do you what do you want to talk about? What you want to what do you want to work through? Um, an integrative therapist, one that kind of does a little bit of everything will just let you lead. Um, and then you might dip into some childhood stuff, right? You might talk about relationship stuff. Um, again, like a lot of this work can be effective and is important. Um, but what happens with someone who doesn't know how to manage emotions or is really struggling in their relationships, if there's a skills deficit, right, they could leave that talk therapy session kind of like, okay, well, now I, I know my why. I know how I got here, but what do I do next? Like, well, like yeah, why am, why am I still miserable? Like, 
like why are you know things still getting in my way um so with dbt we very much so we're we're also a behavior change program so we're very focused on like okay what are your what makes life worth living what is your life worth living goals what are the interfering behaviors right what's getting in the way of that so like avoidance right or escapism is a very common behavior that we target like all right so every day we're going to have you track avoidance on your diary card and then when we meet in session we're going to do a behavioral analysis which is a play-by-play of what led to what led to what and so it's yeah it gets a little behavioralistically nerdy (laughs) so meaning uh, like behavioral as far as like how I would go about something as far as like if I got in a fight with a friend how did I approach it in that like what were my behaviors in in a conflict or something Sure. Well, so it's kind of like understanding causation, right? Because sometimes what we think like caused the fight, we could be like way off, right? Where it's like, okay, well, well, she started it, right? Like, like she, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but in turn, it could be that you were already in a vulnerable place, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or that you interpreted like her scowl as something bad about you, right? So the the cause is actually how you thought about you know, your friend's facial expression that then caused the fight. Does that make sense? So we're we're getting into like the nitty gritty like of like Yeah. The, yeah. It's very much like thought, emotion, action. Like it's it's really and detailed. That can definitely make you feel like, damn, I'm immature. <laughs> well, but the see the other thing is that like there's there's no judgment either because we're all human and at the end of the day we're all doing the best we can and we could do a little better, right? Like that's why, yeah, that's why we want to work towards change. So it's very much validating like the human experience, but then also, okay, you're here to change. Like, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's work on it. Here's a skill. Let's practice it. How are you going to apply it? Like, hello, let's address your natural instinct behaviors. Let's rewire your brain a little bit. And we do care about how you feel, but we want to know, like, what what caused that? Like, how can we, you know, decrease the intensity of how you're feeling? How can we make sense of what you're feeling? But then also, what can you practice when you're out doing life so that you're not feeling as intensely? So, yeah, it's just, we all need, we all need emotional regulation skills, right? It's just like, but learning how to budget a checkbook, it's like basic life skill stuff. Like, we, we all need them. I love DBT skills because they're they're taught in a very straightforward way. They're not meant yes. to be like anything complicated. It's accessible to anyone online can look up skills and um you know learn a few themselves. Obviously, like we always recommend the guidance of a behavior therapist or a DBT therapist to really get the full change um experience. Again, it, there's multiple like components to treatment. We talk a lot about like developing your life worth living goals um and then determining the target behaviors that you want to work on um what else we want to know all about how you experience emotions if there are any challenges you're having in your relationships and work family multiple areas of life right so typically like the uh, the typical candidate for comprehensive dbt treatment will have what we say multiple problems in multiple areas of their life um, because that can be a lot, right? So let's say you're struggling at work and your relationship isn't going so well and you're having these panic attacks. That's a lot for one like traditional therapist to manage, right? So DBT is very structured in that 
we're like, okay, like let's prioritize like everything that's going on on a hierarchy. And then we're just gonna, we're gonna knock them out one by one. Okay, so you're having panic attacks. We're gonna work on that first because that's the most riskiest life interfering like issue going on for you. So then we'd hone in on that. So it's very focused. Somebody that is looking for this type of therapy, is it offered through your traditional Kaiser, through your traditional like insurance companies, or is this something that we have to outsource? Right. Um, so our program, so Awake DBT is located in the San Jose Willow Glen area. Um, we, we do, so we have a teen and family program. We have an adult program. We also have a DBT art group, um, which is really cool. Um, art? right now. Yeah, DBT art group. It's an in-person oh, group. Cool. Yeah, that my my mentor and the um, co-founder Yvette Duarte actually runs. It's, it's a really great program. Um, so we are currently out of network. So that means that could mean out of pocket. Um, I do know that Kaiser Santa Clara offers a DBT style group. I wouldn't call it full adherent comprehensive dbt it's more so dbt informed so it is important to know the difference right because there are different types of dbts and qualities of dbt that um is offered out there but our program is very much a board certified program so we are as adherent to the research model like as it gets so we're high fidelity dbt as they would call it um but again like sometimes just picking up a few skills can be extremely helpful. Um, so I do know that Kaiser has offered some DBT skills groups um, to answer your question. And, and insurance companies may match you with a DBT informed therapist. To answer your question, if you're seeking a comprehensive DBT program through insurance, um, you'd have to be very specific with the language that, that you would use. And it would be as such like, find me a comprehensive DBT program that, that's covered. And there are some in network. Um, I, off the top of my head, I think like Stanford has a program now. Um, yeah, so there are a couple, there are a like few it's gonna in the start, Yeah, I think we'll start hearing about it more and more. And um, like you said, there's so many celebrities now that use this form of therapy yeah. and it's mm -hmm. only becoming more and more popular. So it's working otherwise it wouldn't have any movement yeah that's really yeah, Lady, amazing Lady Gaga Selena Gomez um there are a couple of athletes that came out with having borderline personality disorder and have dbt therapists um yeah yeah it's it's just it's exciting like to, um to have it was it Pete Davidson right oh yeah Pete Davidson mm -hmm. he, yeah He's he has very much so personality uh mm -hmm. Borderline, borderline personality disorder borderline personality disorder is so it's the way that we've thought about it even clinically over time has changed unfortunately like i think like in cinema and a lot of old movies from the 90s like depicted someone with bpd as being like um like someone who's overly obsessive and manipulative and highly volatile um right and it's just it's unfortunate because the, so the way that BPD has evolved over the years is that it's actually more of like a, a manifestation of complex trauma, right? Of experiencing just so many traumatic events through your life, but then also living in an environment that was very invalidating and didn't give you like the warmth and the care that you needed to stay safe. So 
just you can think like repeated experiences like that, especially if there's abandonment, can then lead Mm -hmm. to um, the severity of what BPD criteria is, right? So sometimes there is like a lot of suicidality, self-harm, a lot of like issues with relationships, um, abandonment, panic, anxiety. Um, I know I'm missing a lot of the other criteria, uh, dissociative experiences. I think there's like six out of six or seven out of nine need to be met. And I, I may be wrong. But um, yeah, so it is, it is very severe. However, individuals with diagno- with this diagnosis are also extremely caring, extremely compassionate, very, very passionate about their connection and attunement to others. Um, so I want to just destigmatize that as well right yeah. like it's it's not something to fear actually i think more people than not um meet a lot of the criteria if they have gone through a lot of trauma i look at you know the older generation and i see why they struggle so much later on in life and that's because they never did any work on themselves so i feel yeah. lucky that we're in a place that has a society that has kind of evolved in that sense where we're taking care of ourselves so we can take care of one another a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you bring up like later life, you know, I haven't even, I I mean, I think I've just begun to start about right. Like late life, um, like cognitive declining disorders and whatnot. Um, You know, our parents are getting older, so it's definitely. Um, Another fear I feel like a lot of people have when they go into therapy is they're scared that they're going to be prescribed something and then just be shooed out the door. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that perception of therapy? Um, Yeah. So if you're going in for therapy with a psychologist or what I am, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, we we're not prescribers, right? We um, we're just doing like the the talk therapy, the outpatient therapy. If you do go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist that has like a prescribing um, like ability, uh, they may make a recommendation. But at the end of the day, like a medication is a tool, right? Um, mm-hmm. I like to say in my practice, like skills before pills, but that's not to say that pills are terrible for you there are cases where if if the client's nervous system is just so out of control that they can't use skills then i will say okay a medication will help you as a tool to give you that edge and that energy to then be skillful and start participating in your life so just cuz you start taking a medication it doesn't mean forever right like if yeah. Again, if it's going to give you that edge and it's going to help your quality of life, then take it. I mean, obviously be responsible, go to your regular follow-up appointments with your with your MD and also have your therapy in tandem with that cuz meds alone may help a little, but behaviorally when you're out doing life, like again, stressors are still going to get thrown your way. So having that that space yeah. for therapy is important too. I I haven't had to resort to any medication or anything and I want to try to try not to be on anything. Um so I know that when I know that a lot of people are like they're just going to give me something and shoot me out the door. So it's really nice to hear that um your talk therapy, right? We're not here to shoot you out the door and collect your money. It's we're right. working through this together. Yeah. Which is really nice to hear and feel from that. Yeah. So I mean, so I do. You... Go ahead. Uh-huh. Sorry. 
my mic. Um, so like a little bit more on that. I do have clients who come in um to learn skills because they would prefer to not take medication. So it's so then you know, the, um, the disclosure is okay. It might be a little harder for you, right. Um, to experience the anxiety and the depression, but as long as you're on board to practicing and learning new skills and behaviors, like we can alleviate some of that. But again, like the medication is a tool. Would you want to have like the patient have an anxiety attack to kind of see like how they're reacting and their emotions and you're almost like jackpot. Now I can see what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it sounds I terrible mean, to say it that way, but no, it 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 is. No, it 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 is. I think there's there's just like this one like quote of like you know you have a successful therapy session if you can get your client to cry, which sounds terrible. But the point of that is that yeah, like if we can experientially get you to engage in the very thing that you're scared of or struggling with, like now we can do skills rehearsal. Right now I can go grab you an ice pack. We can practice deep breathing. We could do some progressive muscle relaxation. And wow, look, you went from a 100 and now you're 50. And you did all that in just three minutes of using your DBT skills. And I, yeah, I've had that experience so many times with clients. And it's just so cool to see how much more like, whoa, like I, I survived that. I survived that panic attack without having to like, you know, take one of my medications or PRNs. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, just the, the confidence that it builds and being able to control your own emotions. Um, but yes, answer your question. Yes, we do try our very best to cue up those emotions in session yeah. to work with them. It's interesting that you said the ice packs, because I remember, I think on TikTok or something like that, they were saying, put your face in like a bowl of cold, ice cold if water. you're having anxiety yeah. attack. We call Very that, nice. yeah, we call, we call, so, <laughs> that's, so that's actually based on the mammalian dive reflex. So it is research. It sounds silly, right? Well, I'm going to dunk my face in cold water or ice, like what? No, but actually what happens is um, you have very sensitive nerves in your forehead and in your cheeks. So the combination of you kind of like bending over and then the cold against your nerves kicks in your parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for relaxing you and so when your heart rate goes down then your adrenaline goes down and now it's like okay like I I don't feel as um on the edge of a cliff right it's I'm not in fight or flight anymore so imagine like combining the cold with deep counted breathing we call it paced breathing um so if you were to inhale for four for instance you double on the exhale um that will further right? Like reinforce relaxation in your nervous system. Um, and the next thing you know, like you might not be feeling in tip top shape, but you'll be sure as a, a you know, you feeling shocked. a lot better than you did. <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll you be definitely shock yourself. It is. That's a great, honestly, it's a really good tool. I definitely not if you have your makeup done, but it might freeze the makeup. <laughs> on your it might. Well, I mean, if you have a really good setting spray, it'd be a really, that'd be a really good commercial for it. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So where can our listeners, where can they, can, can they just message you and ask you about the therapy? Yes. Um, so our program website is www.awakedbt.com. Um, my personal email is Veronica at awakedbt.com. Um, yeah, you can message me directly with any questions. Um, if you need referrals, 
if you're interested about our program, um, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to help in any way. I'll make sure to put all of that information too in the bio when we when we post this episode too. I Sweet. hope like people are really listening and take it into account because I know there's a lot of silent sufferers out there yeah. and there is more than just your traditional therapy. But let's talk about your new, not newfound love, you've been dancing for a long time. <laughs> and yeah. I'm so obsessed with watching you in your beautiful costumes. I was so bummed we didn't get to go to your last performance. Oh, but talk well, I to, have another one coming up. <laughs> I know. I'm, I was just telling Roger, I'm like, we have to go. So you started just taking dance classes, right? Is that how this all started? Kind of your yeah. passion for dance? Yeah. So, um, gosh, I, I mean, I've loved dance ever since I was little. I wasn't in any sort of like official like ballet or jazz. Like I wasn't one of those little, little girls. I don't know how much, you know, but I was born with hip dysplasia. Um, and it wasn't caught until I was, until I started walking as a toddler. And then from there, I spent a lot of my like toddler years in corrective, like casts, and then mm. eventually had surgery before I started kindergarten. And so I, Right. So it was like just like a major dislocation, right? Between like the femur and like the socket in your hip. Um, so the surgery was successful at like four, I think four and a half. Um, and I was okay. I was walking, I was I was able to run. Um, but down the line the sorry, this is kind of like a side story to get to the no, no, to no. the dance part. But like, yeah, so then eventually the surgeon had told my mom, Well, like she's good for now, but when she hits her adulthood, like her hip's going to act up like the the socket is not a normal socket she's going to have issues um so I got into dance so I started with salsa so salsa dancing um one of my really good friends from like a former colleague of mine um got me into it and I just I love Latin music and I think a lot of it was growing up with um a lot of the music my dad used to play like at festas like it wasn't just Portuguese music it was like cumbias and it was like a little salsa and Brazilian funk so I just grew up dancing to a lot of those rhythms so a lot of it came pretty naturally to me fell in love with salsa and then I was introduced to bachata and um I remember like the first bachata song and like dance video I saw and like I was in love like it was like it oh was like gosh. it was just like my heartbeat like and I can't explain it and a lot of other bachateros like have the same experience when it comes to like listening and watching the dance for the first time so um how this connects to the whole hip thing um, so I got super into dance, wanted to really, really, really wanted to join like a ladies bachata performance team. Um, but I had developed this severe arthritis in my left hip. And I'm telling you, like, I couldn't walk a mile. Like I was in pain, like putting on my shoes. Like I basically had an 85 year old hip. Like, and I was at, at the time when the pain was getting really bad. I think I was only like 33, 34. Um, so my quality of life went like downhill and like when people with chron like chronic pain sufferers out there, like, please cut them some, some slack if they're feeling irritable or if they seem like a little bit sad, cause that sh is real. It's, yeah. it, it sucks trying to manage through pain. And then especially when you lose ability because of it. Um, so fast forward, um, during the pandemic, I'm on a walk with my mom and she's just, and she's noticing how I'm like limping in pain. And she's like, Hey, you're working from home. Um, at the time I was, I was staying at their place. She's like, why don't you just get the surgery, like hip replacement surgery? And at first I was like, what? That's huge. Like I'm in my thirties. That's a surgery for like, you know, elderly folks. 
but it just, it made the most sense out of all the other options out there. So I got the surgery and I'm telling you, life-changing like any any, yeah any of the any of the depression that I had associated with like chronic pain gone I was hiking again and then I started dancing like more and more and more and then finally um for the first time um ever I decided to join a ladies bachata performance team um so that is with the Aldaz dance company um Marianella Colonge Amarante she's married to Taylor Amarante who I think a lot of us know um he's the uh earthquakes MC right he's also a local Portuguese comedian cool guy so anyways his wife she's an amazing entrepreneur owns her own dance studio amazing director so we've been performing and um yeah it's just it's just it's just amazing to be able to, it, it's my outlet, right? It's very much like my mindful, like in my like whole body experience where everything else melts away. And it's just me and the music and the team and dancing and performances in my blood. So I get a little bit of that too. September 16th at the San Jose Earthquakes game, we're performing during intermission, halftime. Yeah, so we'll be performing there. Um, actually, several of the Aldaz uh, ladies teams. So there will be salsa and bachata performances. So, yeah, yeah, that'll that'll be exciting and fun. Um, I like to say I'm a therapist by day, but a bachatera by night. Yeah, but there are like more traditional words, footwork, and so that's what we are. We're a bit like it's still sexy and fun, but it's more footwork based. Okay. But yeah, pay, okay. pay we'll, have to put that up. well, I appreciate you sharing all of your skills with me today. This is, like I said, a long time coming. I feel very informed and I definitely will lead anyone to your page and message you um, about any of the DPT therapy. And I hope that we can make it to that performance as well. Now we have a puppy. So I'm like, who's going to watch our dog? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's so different. We just added a totally different dynamic. But again, I thank you so much and thankful for people like you that are helping mm-hmm. some of us with our anxieties and fears thank and you. are a little bit more apprehensive about therapy as well. Um, because sometimes it is looked at as like we're crazy, but we're really we'd be more crazy if we weren't, you know, assessing these yeah. things. Yeah, that are no, to yeah, we, we we've all got emotions. We've all got something to work on. Um, but yeah, no, we all got was, a problem. Yeah, pretty much. Um well, no, it was a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for um, sharing your platform with me. Um, again, I love what you're doing here and um, I'm going to continue to support you and I hope your listeners do too. Like, just thank you for all that you do. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. You have a great rest of your day. Now I have all to right, go girl. to a screaming baby. <laughs> you do that. You take care. All right. Bye. Bye.